Welcome to Touch Technology Review today. We're delighted to have Tim Mayer from Crypto Labs in the studio to talk with us about all things cryptocurrency. Before we go ahead and have this discussion, I'll have to insert a disclaimer. The information contained in this podcast is not intended to be and does not constitute financial advice, investment advice, trading advice, or any other form of advice. It's provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. Having said that, got that out of the way. Tim, if we can start this podcast for the benefit of the viewers who may not be too familiar with cryptocurrency or in fact Bitcoin, can we start with an explanation of what the function and purpose of Bitcoin is? Yeah, sure. Bitcoin is a digital currency which is transacted peer-to-peer. So it means that there's no requirement for a bank or a third party or financial institution to, to be in the middle of that process. And the idea of digital cash has been around for a long time, but the amazing thing about Bitcoin or the innovative technology behind it, uh, the blockchain was able to solve the problem of double spending. And double spending is if I create a, a form of digital cash and send it to you, you know, how do we know that I didn't send that same unit of cash or money to someone else? And blockchain solved that problem um, using encryption. And um, so without getting too, too deep into the technical side of it, it is a, a platform or a, a distributed network which allows people to transact digital money from one person to another in an immutable uh, censorship resistant way. So how far have we come from the early days of when it was first uh, conceived in the white paper by Satoshi Nakamoto was around 2008, 2009. How far have we come from it being this ideal of a payment system that was peer to peer and circumvented the whole need to have a centralized method of control to the point where it's now a usable currency that is worthwhile and in fact cost effective to use? Yeah, I guess in some ways we've come a long way and in other, in other ways we've got a long way to go. As a means of a currency that people can use from day to day, that option exists, but is more, you know, more so something that is uh, taken up within the community itself. So if you're into crypto, if you're a Bitcoin trader or investor or working in the industry, part of the community, you might be you know, transacting you know, on a daily basis or a weekly basis. In terms of mass adoption, we haven't, we haven't got to that yet because there's still quite a lot of technology layers that need to be built on top of that to make it more user-friendly. There are other uh, currencies like Dash, which are probably a little bit further down the path in that they are being used in countries like Venezuela and Zimbabwe where uh, hyperinflation is a real problem. Yes. And people over there actually use uh, cryptocurrencies, and especially Dash, because it's a much better way for them to you know, to maintain that, that store of wealth because it's not a, an inflationary currency. Kind of interesting that you mentioned the notion of inflation because if you look at the actual markets and the trading of crypto, so we're looking at it in terms of its store of value and people investing in it as, uh, I guess, a, a way to capitalize on any gains... The pricing of the crypto coins are fluctuating quite rapidly. So how does that maintain some kind of equilibrium when it comes to using it as a means of exchange? How does someone using Dash in Venezuela get around the fact that 
Dash went up from $30 last year to $300 where it is today or $400, whatever it is? Yeah, that's a really good question. And that's probably the inherent problem at the moment with cryptocurrencies is mm-hmm. that uh, merchants, for instance, don't want to expose themselves to that kind of volatility. Yes. Um, so there are, and when I talk about, previously when I talk about those new layers coming out to facilitate that, but they will help that process so that a merchant can still receive crypto from someone and receive fiat. Um, in terms of the volatility and how people handle that, the thing to remember is we're very early in, in the stage in, in the development of this whole uh, ecosystem as an economy. So we have a lot of volatility because there's still um, you know, what we call whales that can come and manipulate the market uh, you know, in the exchanges. So that's, that's an inherent problem. Um, but even in, in places like uh, Zimbabwe or, or uh, Venezuela where they're using Dash as, as a means of uh, exchange, you probably find that even the, even the people that were you know had a, a three hundred dollar dash last year or a seven hundred dollar yeah. dash last year, uh, and today uh, you know, I'm actually not even sure what it's trading at today. But I think it's down around the two hundred mark. Or, you know, you'll probably find that a lot of those people didn't invest at the top, and that's one of the rules of, of trading and buying cryptos is, and, and with any investment, I guess, understand what you're buying and do some research. So. If you went in there and look at any coin that you're going to buy, have a look at the graph, have a look at the, the charts and, and, and um, zoom out and have a look on a, a longer term uh, snapshot and say to yourself, well, look, this currency, this particular currency that I'm looking at now is right at, at the high. It's never been this high. Yeah. That might not be a good time to buy. Yeah. Okay, the rule here is, um, you know, buy low, sell high. So if you had to pick, we haven't really gone through the difference between Bitcoin and all the different altcoins at this stage, but... Really, perhaps before we get into my next question, which is if you had to pick a particular coin, which would it be in terms of safety and security? But, you know, if we had to explain what altcoins are as opposed to Bitcoin, how would you explain that? Okay, so uh, Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency created by Satoshi Nakamoto. In 2008, he wrote a white paper. And in 2009, it was deployed by a group of uh, coders and cryptologists and computer scientists who'd collaborated on that white paper. Do we know who Satoshi was? Like, no, there's, that's still a mystery. Right, so it's just a pseudonym. We actually don't know who Satoshi is or whether he was a group of people, an organisation. That's right. I think uh, 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 the feeling is that it, it may have been a group of people because the amount of technology that it required to build something like this or to at least conceive the white paper would have taken a number of disciplines, you know, computer science, architecture, coding, mm-hmm. Um, you know, a whole number of, I think around about five different disciplines that yeah. pretty unlikely that anyone would have a, a high skill yeah. in all of those. So the uh, consensus is that it was a group of people. I've heard a rumour that it was Elon Musk. Did you have heard that? There's been a lot of, a lot of different great. people's rumours. One day we find out that actually was true. Oh, that'd be amazing if it was. Um, and so an altcoin is uh, when we take that code and we, uh, or if anyone takes that code, and changes the characteristics of the protocols or the, the algorithms and, and the code base yes. and launches their own. Some people also build them from the ground up now using you know the, the blockchain framework. Uh, the difference between say uh, uh, you know uh, the different currencies or the difference between the different currencies is some are built to be purely a you know a store of value or a means of exchange, yes. such as Bitcoin and Dash and Litecoin. Monero, which is one that just adds a layer of more privacy, yes. and they've all been created so as as, a, as an alternative form of currency. Yes. Uh, but then you've got 
new blockchains and altcoins and tokens that are being uh, created for different purposes, um, such as using the blockchain technology to uh, create utility. So the tokens don't necessarily become uh, a currency per se, but a utility token in, in an application, for instance. So the easiest example I could think of is if you went to the App Store and you downloaded um, a game that has virtual money in it, yes. um, that, that money acts as a utility to give you to open up different features or do different um, yes. functions within the app. And so a lot of these altcoins that are being built are there to power new applications that are being delivered to the market and will be over you know, the course of time. Yeah, so we might see a point in time where the web as we know it today and the app store full of various apps, uh, these are going to be built on variants of the blockchain. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think that's the big um, sort of buzz at the moment is uh, looking at what applications, you know, such as Uber or uh, Menulog or um, Facebook and Google, looking at these and saying, well, are these going to be better placed in the market as a decentralized application? Will they add more value? Will they make this platform more efficient by using the blockchain? Um, does it reduce costs? All of these things that blockchain technology now uh, provide as, uh, as optimized solutions in, in uh, developmental frameworks. Yeah, and I know there was an article about Facebook recently that they've, they're starting to look into blockchain. So whether they're going to be developing their own form of uh, cryptocurrency or whether they're going to use some of it behind the scenes to power what they're doing, I don't know, but that, that could be quite interesting. Well, speaking of competitors, there's already a blockchain-derived um, social media network called Steemit, which I've jumped onto and had a go with. Yep. And the interesting thing about that is that they're using uh, tokens to to vote up articles so people are actually getting paid for their content obviously so the next generation of social media platforms or companies like that will probably be leveraging blockchain technologies to offer more in the way of an actual product i think if they're developed with the community in mind that that's going to be the case but in a lot of cases people are going to need to sit back and say well actually is this application is this service better is there any advantage having it as a decentralized application in terms of it as a means of exchange or, or rather a store of value where people have been trading on crypto for the past year we've seen some massive highs in the late part of 2017 and now we've seen a bit of a dip where do you see the market heading over the next six months at the moment we're clearly in the bear market uh, the the heights that we saw at the end of last year was you could call it a bubble um yeah. was what we've experienced now is a correction yeah and it's probably a healthy thing for the ecosystem yeah it's really important that people that the people that are getting in at this early stage understand what they're getting into and have some kind of commitment to the technology that really that that's important because that's the sort of thing that keeps price stable and I think we saw the opposite of that towards the last year with a sort of social media frenzy. But going forward in the next six months, I probably wouldn't expect to see much different to what we're seeing now. There's a lot of sideways movement. Yeah. Um, there might be some, some particular projects that, that get good publicity and some traction. Anything at the moment that gets some real traction in the market and uh, some real world use case is probably gonna have a, a chance of 
being a, you know a good investment short term. Yeah. But we're really still uh, at that in that crypto winter at the moment. And I don't see it sort of changing for the next six months. Yeah, and is it all based on the price of Bitcoin? Because what I've noticed with the charts is that as Bitcoin has dropped, so too have all the altcoins. So are all these coins tethered to the price of Bitcoin or do we get breakout coins or the opportunity for an altcoin to break out and you know, basically go against that tide of the downward trend? Yeah, typically a lot of, you know, the whole market is kind of pegged to the movements of Bitcoin. But not as a rule. I'm looking at the charts right now, and everything's in the red. The only one that's got a slight, you know, 0.05 increase of tether, but everything else uh, and Binance, everything's red. So yeah, well, tether's like a stable coin. You never really see that move between, you know, 97 cents and a dollar and three. Um, How does it make get that status of being a stable coin? It's apparently backed by every tether is apparently backed by a US dollar. Uh-huh. Um, but if you look at the market, uh, even this week, as much as it's been on a downtrend, there's some coins like Pundi, uh, Pundi X, I think it is, uh, you know, they're up 50%, um, you know, the last few days. Okay. So it was like I was saying before, some of these um, platforms that are finding, you know, real traction in the market, mm. uh, that are having, you know, real user value. They, they will defy the charts. Let's just wrap this up with a conversation about the longevity of cryptocurrency and whether it's going to establish itself in the marketplace and be that disruptor that we expected it to be late 2017. Certainly, the past few months, there's been a bit of a bear market in terms of the exchanges. Uh, there's been some sentiment expressed by those who perhaps invested a little bit of funds just to play around with crypto, that maybe they hadn't made the right decision. There's a bit of doubt in the market creeping in. Yet those hardcore investors and enthusiasts, people such as yourself who have invested into the space, that seem to know a little bit more than most people, are very confident that cryptocurrency is here to stay. Can you think of any examples of other technologies uh, that took a long time to establish themselves, but once they did, they really became solid and were the true disruptors of their time. One of the analogies I use is, um, well, when I look at, at Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and blockchain, uh, one of the things that can be certain is that it's, it falls into the category of being a disruptive technology. Yes. And so if I, I try to look at a, a correlation or a metaphor for that, I think of um, Kodak, yeah. uh, the, the, the photographic company. And you know they were, they, were, they were huge, they were a giant in the space. Then digital photography yeah. came out yeah. and completely destroyed them. Absolutely. And and I look at Kodak as the um, fiat money, you know, the uh, traditional uh, AUD, USD, the money that we use every day, and blockchain and, and cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin as digital photography. You know, it's yeah. it's coming up and it's just about to, to be completely disruptive. And the amazing yeah. thing now is, you know, for the community that gets involved in Bitcoin and can identify that, it's almost like being at that point, but seeing what's coming. I remember seeing that first digital camera in around 2002 at a trade show, the Canon EOS Digital Rebel. And uh, you know, the price point was $1,500 back then for a pretty decent digital camera. And as soon as you saw what it could do, you just were compelled to go and, and jump in and adopt the technology. It was that convincing. And obviously we haven't looked back. Within about two or three years, you know, there was hundreds of different consumer cameras on the market. 
So only took two or three years really to break through after that initial example. And uh, obviously we've seen a further extension where those cameras then got integrated into our mobile phones. And our mobile phones now are producing images that are far superior to anything we could have achieved 10 years ago. So within that very short time frame of three or four years, even going out 10 years, we saw a radical transformation and the adoption was 100% convincing and very rapid. So if we look at that as an example, Definitely. you know, what we saw last year, we, we're really looking towards an adoption of cryptocurrency in the next one or two years. Yeah, well, it's funny you brought up the, the cameras going into phones because I do believe there are phones now being built with wallets, uh, cryptocurrency wallets in them. Well, I've heard that Apple and Google are starting to explore the cryptocurrency potential as well. There's nothing available as yet in terms of wallets on their smartphones, but I do believe it is something they're currently looking into. We think so too. And, and I mean, wearables are such a huge industry too. So I'm, I'm quite interested to see where that yeah. that takes us as well with the integration of crypto. Well, based on this conversation today, clearly we can see the cryptocurrency is an emerging space and something that we need to be keeping our eyes on. And certainly I'm developing more and more of an interest as I speak to people such as yourself, Tim, who have all this knowledge and expertise to offer. I would love to continue this podcast series and roll out quite a few more episodes on this topic and also invite our viewers and listeners to ask any questions via the comments box below or by sending them to info at touchtechnologyreview.com. So look forward to delivering more content like this in up and coming episodes. Thanks for coming in, Tim. See you soon. Thanks, mate.